Christmas! Welcome to Ill-Equipped History, Christmas edition! Woo! Christmas, 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 Christmas. We love Christmas here at, uh, I'm going to call it the Ill-Equipped History Studios, <laughs> even though you're in a bedroom and I'm in a closet. <laughs> <laughs> Hours apart in different time zones. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's the studios. So, how are you, Morgan? I am good. Um, you know, we had, you know, this, we're recording in the past. I think I finally figured it out, but um, we had some yes. pretty scary weather over the weekend, um, but thankfully we're okay. Our power stayed on the whole time. Um, we're all safe. Um, I don't even think any trees, like, blew down in my area, so I'm really thankful wow. for that. Thank, thank goodness. I was really worried about y'all for a solid 30 seconds because I live under a rock and I had no <laughs> idea there was weather coming your way and nick was like hey is morgan doing okay and i was like from what (laughs) (laughs) meanwhile i am hiding in my basement with my dog like glued to the the radar stream that i'm watching making sure that i don't get a freak tornado uh that just happens to come over us but the the national area did get pretty hit pretty hard by tornadoes um and there were some casualties unfortunately um yes so the the community of nashville is rallying together um there are multiple calls out to people um like just regular people like hey don't help yet we've got to figure out the yeah the severity of the damage first we have to figure out where it's safe to go please stay in your homes until we tell you it's safe to go out and help the people because everyone is just raring to go help everyone that was affected so well that makes you feel good at least that they're trying to go help. Yeah. And yeah. literally being told by first responders, not yet. Wait. Wait okay. a second. Hold on a minute. Yeah. Well, um, on a completely different note, I realize now that I think I'm an old lady. You're just now realizing this? <laughs> I am actively wearing compression socks. <laughs> because <laughs> when I podcast... um. My feet swell up because <laughs> I sit too long. <laughs> so I'm 80 now. I've I've been thinking like this might be good for you because like with all the the fucked upness going on in your feet, yeah. like they, I think some some help with the blood flow, like yeah, could help a lot. <laughs> it's uh the problem is I know is that. Um, if my feet are not firmly planted on the ground, the circulation in my legs get cut off. So if I'm sitting at like a bar stool for too long, I I can't walk. It's not good. <laughs> You're like, I swear I'm not drunk. <laughs> I am so glad that Nick found me when I was young and still spry because I don't know if I could get a man like this. <laughs> Apparently you can with all these dudes asking for your hands and <laughs> oh for your God. Facebook. <laughs> yeah, um, the uh, the last couple stories we've told have been on the bonus episode. I'm going to tell this on the regular feed because apparently this is three times in two weeks that random men have come up to me and just said the most unhinged things. To me, but I'm pumping gas the other day, and a dude pulls up, and 
I hear him say something and I really don't think he's talking to me. But then I realize he is and he keeps calling me Kim. And I said, I'm sorry, I'm not Kim. I don't, I don't think you have the right person. And he went, oh no, I got the right person. You're Kim Kardashian. (laughs) And then he asked for my name and I just not very politely said no. Like, I have my son with me. Could you, could you go away? (laughs) Yeah. Ugh. I hate that for you. I'm sorry. Yeah. And it happened at Bucky's too. I just walked by and one guy looked me in the eye, made made sure I had eye contact and said, damn girl, you look good. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, if I didn't have to pee so bad, I would just turn around and go back to the husband. Just. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate it. Please don't come up to me and be weird because he, the guy at the gas station definitely did say he saw me from afar and pulled around to me. I'm like, you, uh, made, it, you made it even weirder. Why? Oh, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. So between Hams and Kim Kardashian, I, I don't know. I don't know Maybe what's happening. Accosted I'm at wear, Bucky's. I'm going to wear a freaking potato sack out in public. <laughs> Girl, they ain't uh, no hiding that booty. <laughs> you can wear a tent around you. <laughs> Still be tight on the butt. <laughs> okay. Um, you ready to talk about Christmas? Yeah, let's let's move from your ass to the Christmas. <laughs> let's do it. <sighs> now before we get into the skit. Um, I am legitimately pulling the famous "Twas the Night Before Christmas" out. I did. I don't want anyone to think I'm, I'm plagiarizing. I ain't. Okay. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Two kids sit in bed with their mother on Christmas Eve. They are overly excited about Santa's arrival and are having a hard time settling down. Mom, is it Christmas yet? No, it's Christmas Eve, dummy. Be nice. Now y'all settle in so I can read you this story. Twas the night before Christmas, when all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled, all snug in their beds. We don't have mice, do we? I'm scared of mice. Stop interrupting. (sighs) while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. And Mama in her kerchief and I in my cap had just settled our brains for a long winter's nap. What's the difference between a winter nap and a summer nap? Uh, no more questions, honey. I need to get through this. Fine. When out on the lawn, There arose such a clatter, I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window, I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters. The kids did eventually fall asleep listening to a visit from St. Nicholas. In the morning, they will wake up to have full stockings and presents under the Christmas tree. But why? And what is Santa like? all over the world. (laughs) 
I'm going to be honest. I've been super excited for your episode, um, <laughs> especially because I just went over like the entire history of Christmas. And yeah. Didn't touch on Santa. I was okay, like, okay. Now I need to know about Santa. <laughs> that had to have been so freaking hard. It really and was. I did today um, because last minute heroics should be my middle name. Uh, watched two documentaries, two hour long documentaries on Santa. And the first one I watched, I was um, a little confused about the direction that this uh, documentary was going because it was literally called The Story of Santa. About halfway through this documentary, it stopped talking about Santa altogether. It just started talking about Christmas traditions and then somehow tried to loop it back around into being Santa at the end. I'm like, I think you you got a little lost there, friends. You might have <laughs> needed a pad for time a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you could at least spread it out a little bit. Yeah. And then I watched the second one, which was The Legends of Santa. And that was that one's actually just on YouTube. Very well done. Very well done. All of it was about Santa, surprisingly. <laughs> so, okay, disclaimer. I don't know who out there listens with children. Um, but if you are listening with children present, proceed with caution. Please know we will be telling some of Santa's secrets that are only for adult ears. If you're picking up what I'm throwing down. Also, <laughs> once again, we are not responsible for your kids learning new cuss words from this podcast. It's not our fault. <laughs> all right? Because <laughs> I was writing that disclaimer and then I realized that kids shouldn't be listening to us. <laughs> No. So, I mean, if they do, like, welcome. But That's cool. Of not, course, welcome. This is not a child-targeted podcast. <laughs> Absolutely not. Now, listen. Have my kids heard words come from my mouth every single day? Yeah, actually. They do. And they, they refer to those as adult words, and they know not to use them. But I don't know how you guys parent. So, just a fair warning. That's That ain't us. It ain't our fault. <laughs> yep. Okay. Glad we got through that. Uh... <laughs> Now on to the introduction. Okay, so Morgan, what do you know about St. Nicholas? I know a little bit. Um, I don't want to get too much into it because I don't want to like spoil anything. Yeah. But I know um, there are some origins from like the Mediterranean, like Greece and Turkey, I know there's some origins from, like, way, like, Northern Europe. Um, but essentially, like, the mythology of St. Nicholas came from an actual person, St. Yes. Nicholas. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so St. Nicholas and Santa, at least in the U.S., are portrayed as kind of the same person. Their names are used interchangeably. Here in the States, they are. I I can't speak for around the world. It was very hard looking up different traditions around the world and kind of linking those together. But mm -hmm. um, in reality, they are kind of two different things. Now, Santa, and we'll get into it later in more detail, Santa definitely 100% was... Um, created in St. Nicholas's image. And 
But the St. Nicholas Center, um, and they have a they have a website out which has a wealth of knowledge on St. Nicholas. It's amazing. Puts it simply as Santa Claus belongs to childhood. St. Nicholas models for all of life. Okay. So he was like a legit dude. Um, so St. Nicholas, he is the patron, patron, patron saints of children and sailors in some parts of the world. All right. Sorry, I'm a little snotty. I'm drinking my peppermint tea. Um, so what is a patron saint for those of you who don't know? So it is someone who lived a life which is a worthy example of how to faithfully follow Jesus Christ. And as a part of the communion of saints, they intercede on behalf of those who call upon them. So basically, if you lived your life how you're supposed to live your life and follow faithfully follow Jesus, you can become a saint. And then after, I guess, after you die, people can like call upon you and you can help. The, the way that I kind of understand it, and I, my family is Catholic. I did not grow up Catholic. Like, I never went through communion or anything. But kind of how I understand it is, like, when a person prays, like, the saints kind of, like, run interference on the prayer to see, like, okay, can we, like, kind of solve the prayer? Yeah. So, because it doesn't need to go all the way up to the tippy top. From what I understand, it may not be like all of Catholicism, but just kind of, that's kind of my general understanding of it. I have 0% Catholic in my family, so thank you for that (laughs) explanation. (laughs) We got a lot of Baptists. (laughs) Okay, so he was born around 280 CE, so a long time ago, long, long time ago, near... Patera, or in Patera, which is near Myra in modern-day Turkey. And <laughs> I I don't know why I thought this was so funny when I was watching one of the documentaries, but apparently he was different even as a baby. And he abstained from his mother's breast milk except for sundown on Wednesdays and Fridays, which were like early fast days in Christianity. <laughs> <laughs> no oh my mother. gosh what did he do for the rest of the week just starve i'm just imagining a three-month-old baby like no mother it is a tuesday <laughs> i am i am too chaste to feed from your breast a wah wah <laughs> a boo boo <laughs> No booby. <laughs> I do not take titties on Mondays. <laughs> Respectfully. <laughs> uh, okay, but he did survive somehow on two days worth of breast milk. Uh, so thank God. But um, it is said that he gave away all his inherited wealth and traveled the countryside, helping the sick and the poor. He became one of the top saints, one of the favorite saints of all people. And the, the Muslims 
came into the area and kind of took over. And at first they kind of, they kind of built a building over his burial site, which is rude, but now they like embrace him and they have a whole like St. Nick day and they even, yeah. And even now they use like the Western imagery of Santa in place of St. Nick, which I think is really interesting that they would use that imagery, but I think it's a marketing thing. That's usually what it comes down to, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, truly. (laughs) So he helped children, and one story says he saved three sisters from being sold into slavery or prostitution by their father by providing them with a dowry so that they could get married. So apparently the oldest daughter was above the marrying age. And she was like offering herself to to be sold into slavery. Because she wanted her younger sisters to get to afford to be able to get married. Don't get me started on the whole dowry thing. Ugh. But anyway. Um, so apparently St. Nick heard the... The prayers of the father. Because he didn't want to do that. That's his daughter. So St. Nick just like threw a bag of coins in the window. And was like, there you go. And then they all got married. And then that, the the legend of the throwing the money through the window turned into throwing money through the chimney. So see, we're, we're connecting some dots here. And eventually mm-hmm. the coins would make it into the stockings. And from what I understand, okay. the stockings, um, it wasn't really a anything specific. It's not like you have to, people would just hang their stockings up next to the fire anyway to dry them. Probably to, yeah. So that's, that's just kind of how that started. But um, somehow the coins would make it into the, the stocking at that point. Another sure. uh, famous story from France and apparently this is told verbally and sung in songs is that three little children were lured into the clutches of an evil butcher during a time of famine where the butcher killed him, killed the three boys. And then St. Nicholas legit brought them back from the dead. So is he a necromancer now? (laughs) Was that covered on an episode of This Paranormal Life? I feel like I've heard that story before, but I don't know. Probably. Probably. Actually, I think they did bring... I think they did do a Santa episode. Or at least a... really early on. Or at least a... I know they've done Krampus, but I think they did a separate Santa episode. Yeah. I love This Paranormal Life. If y'all, like, (laughs) seriously, if y'all have never heard them and you're into, like funny spooky shit just go go listen to them they're a hoot they're my favorite okay so yeah so (laughs) saint nicholas is now a necromancer just bringing people back from the dead Mm -hmm. cool casual it's just a tuesday (laughs) he can't he can't drink milk on a tuesday but he can bring some kids back from the dead you know what? It's because there's no boobs involved. No boobs. How dare they be boobs? Okay, so 
In other parts um, of the world, he is said to protect sailors and voyages from storms. And some sailors say, may St. Nicholas hold the tiller instead of wishing other sailors good luck. And by the Renaissance, he was the most popular saint in Europe. Now, back at the weekly skit, I do have some uh, pictures. So the top two are... The one on the left is him being patron saint of children. The one on the right is patron saint of voyages. Yeah. That guy in the boat looks like he's panicking or he's reaching. I can't tell. Both. He's like, oh, <laughs> help me. Help me. It's like the, the painting, the, the Sea of Galilee. Oh yeah, I just I think about that painting more often than I should. Is that is that your your Roman Empire? Apparently, I have a lot of <laughs> Roman empires because I think about <laughs> the Library of Alexandria a lot. I think of that painting and all the other things that were stolen. Um, and I think about all the the art the Nazis took, and never mm-hmm. we never recovered. Where is the fucking art? <laughs> I need to know. Okay, back to Christmas. So, apparently, he also helped the wrongfully accused. So, he had a strong concern for justice, especially for innocent victims, and stories of guiltless soldiers' lives being spared and others wrongfully imprisoned being released. So, his feast day is celebrated on December the 6th. And I know you said you couldn't figure out exactly why they do things on December 6th. This is why. Gotcha. So we're bringing it all Thank together. You. You're welcome. Thank you for solving that mystery you for were, me. You were so staunchly trying to stay away from the Santa stuff that you couldn't find it. <laughs> and I appreciate that. So this day is also considered a lucky day to get married or make large purchases. Okay. Yeah. And even after the infamous Protestant Reformation, <laughs> here it is again. Ah. <laughs> so, so even after the Protestant Reformation uh, made celebrating saints frowned upon, he was still very popular, especially in the Holland area. So there were thousands of cathedrals named after him and all this. So he he died on September 6th. Did I make that clear? Probably not. That's the first time you mentioned okay, it. Okay, so he died on Sept- December the 6th and that's why they oh. celebrate. I forgot an important part of that sentence. Sorry, y'all. Um so So then kind of life goes on. People are still celebrating remembering him on December the 6th. And now St. Nicholas moves to America. Figuratively, of course. He didn't nec- <laughs> so say, wait. <laughs> he didn't necromance himself <laughs> out of death and then <laughs> But damn, if he could, wouldn't that be Maybe that's what he does every December 
is he just comes back to life out of the grave, gives everyone presents, and then comes back. Oh, boy. Wait, so would he, at this point, would he actually look like Jack Skellington? I could get behind that. Yeah. But instead of wearing, like, a really neat pinstripe suit, he's just wearing, like, like strings. Yeah. Where his clothes have, like, rotted away. (laughs) Can this be, like... From, like, almost 2,000 years ago. (laughs) Uh, I want this to be true. So, (laughs) he started to become known towards the end of the 18th century in America. And that's when the German immigrants um, started, and the Dutch as well, started bringing the traditions of St. Nick with them. And it's reported that in December of 1773 and December of 1774, a New York newspaper reported that groups of Dutch families had gathered to honor the anniversary of his death. And the name Santa Claus comes from the Dutch name Sinterklaas. So put put Sinterklaas with our accent and you're getting Santa Claus. Um, So in 1804, John Pinkterd, a member of the New York Historical Society, distributed woodcuts of St. Nicholas at the society's annual meeting. And the carving's background had a now familiar image of like stockings filled and fruit over the fireplace hanging everywhere. And the next, well, not the next year, Five years later, in January of 1809, Washington Irving joined the society, and that society was the New York Historical Society. So Washington Irving joined the society, and on St. Nicholas Day of that year, 1809, he published a satirical fiction called Knickerbocker's History of New York. And this... History, it was was satire, but it was basically kind of romanticizing the good old days of New York, whatever that looked like back then. Okay. Um, But with numerous references to St. Nicholas. And in this, St. Nicholas was portrayed as a jolly character. um, And it told stories of his life and his death. And it's not like the saintly bishop we saw, but rather like a elfin Dutch guy with a clay pipe kind of vibe. So it's starting to get more into Santa Claus, not Saint Nick. And okay, it this um, history of New York inspired the New Amsterdam St. Nicholas legends uh, that the first Dutch immigrant ship had a figurehead of St. Nicholas and New Amsterdam was what New York is now. It was called New Amsterdam. I didn't know that. Um, I didn't either. So St. Nicholas Nicholas Day started to be observed in the colonies and 
the first church was dedicated to St. Nicholas in this, in the area. And that, um, this also started the legend of St. Nicholas coming down the chimneys to bring gifts. Okay. Yep. And the gift giving, I didn't really, I didn't think we had time to get into it, but it, the gift giving was kind of stolen from Saturnalia. And if you want to hear more mm-hmm. about Saturnalia, go back to last week's episode. It was last week's episode, right? Yeah. Yes. Morgan's episode last week all about the history of Christmas to learn more about Saturnalia. Just plug our own episodes in. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> and I referenced myself. So... <laughs> um, <laughs> So it is said that Irving's work was regarded as the, quote, first notable work of imagination in the New World. Wow, that's a big, um, yeah. that's a big title. That's I mean, yeah, I guess at this time, everyone else was really busy, like, surviving. And he's just over here just writing shit down. So I guess good for him. What what year did you say this It's was? 1809. It's actually, they'd been there a while. I was like, it's, it's been a while. <laughs> like, and I mean, they did just kind of finish um, setting up the country. So everything, I, I still feel like everything was survival until the like early 1900s. I think that's fair. So the New York Historical Society held its first St. Nicholas anniversary dinner on December 6th of 1810, a year after um, Knickerbocker's History of New York came out. So John Pinkard commissioned artist Alexander Anderson to create the first American image of St. Nicholas for the occasion. And I have one of the images. It's the black and white one. Alexander Anderson's 1810 version of St. Nicholas. You can see he's still very saintly. He's still... Mm -hmm. He's got bees in the background. Is that a dog? It kind of looks like a dog. Like a pug or something. (laughs) Very specific. It's a pug. Uh, He's got no shoes on. He's wearing very Catholic robes. He's got a magic wand. A halo. <laughs> what is... Do you know what that is in his other hand? Um, looks like a beaver tail to me. It it does. Okay, listeners, is. if you can figure out what that is, please tell us. We don't know. <laughs> also, what's interesting on here is that it says 8343. Wait. So that was the year he died, right? 343. What year was he born? Like 210? 280, I think. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, okay. he was so born in 280. Like, okay. So he was like 63 when he died. Yeah, okay. well, yeah, in that, that time period, he was an old man. Well, what's interesting is that before his death, like Christmas started to become celebrated because it was starting to be celebrated actually right around the time that he yeah. he died, like maybe 10 years before, which is interesting. That is interesting that so Christmas was starting, but it was being celebrated 
as the birth of Christ. On the 25th, right? Right. Okay, so then they started adding the 6th, I think, probably later? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. We'll figure this out. This is fine. Yeah, it's fine. We're all learning together. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So... Okay, so that's the image. Uh, Nicholas Nicholas was shown in a gift-giving role with children's treats and stockings hanging at the fireplace. So very much how we see it today. And there, he had a, a poem accompanying it. I don't have the full poem, but the, the ending goes, St. Nicholas, my dear good friend, to serve you ever was my end. If you will now me something give. I'll serve you ever while I live. So still very saintly. Mm -hmm. If anybody said that about Santa Claus today, I think we'd be concerned for them. So, yeah. (laughs) Uh, So people wanted to domesticate Christmas in the 19th century since the Puritans had eliminated Christmas as a holy season. Like you said, it then kind of just turned to getting drunk. Yeah, And then I put some of us still are getting drunk and disorderly out here. <laughs> we still be doing that. Some, you know what? Some people like take holidays, not just Christmas, but holidays in general as a time of like reflection and togetherness of family. And then some people will do that and or uh, use it as a reason to get way drunk. <laughs> I'm an and. I'm in an and family. We are so happy to be together and we are all drunk. (laughs) (laughs) And that's on both sides of the family. So yay for... Your family is very fun. (laughs) I I am in a similar family. Yes, Yes, you are. Thank God. Okay, so... (laughs) Through the first half of the 19th century... The Presbyterians, Baptists, Quakers, and other Protestants continued to regard December 25th as a day without religious significance, a day of normal business, business as usual, like Morgan said in this past one. So it all began to change as um, a new understanding of family life and the place of children was emerging and changing. So childhood was now becoming seen as a stage of life that needed greater protection and sheltering and, you know, education, training. We need to let these kids be kids and maybe stop sending them to coal mines at five. So (laughs) it's true though. You will mine, you will mine the coal you earn for Christmas. Naughty children go to the coal mine. (laughs) so (laughs) I shouldn't laugh at that (laughs) alright I can't look at you okay so the new so as the season gradually became more tame and then I'm not going to go over religions changing and all that stuff. Just know it started to come back around to the religious side of things. The, the, it started to turn more towards like 
gift giving and such. And then St. Nicholas took on new attributes to fit the changing times. So this is when we start looking into the modern Santa. So his early looks. So as his prominence grew, Claus was described as everything from a rascal with a blue three-cornered hat, red waistcoat, and yellow stockings to a man wearing a broad-brimmed hat and a, quote, huge pair of Flemish trunk hose. I don't know what those are. What's a Flemish trunk hose? Let me Google it. Is it trunk as in T-R-U-N-K? Yes. Flemish trunk hose. In- oh! Oh, it's like the poofy part at the bottom. Oh, okay. Makes everyone look like they got a donk. (laughs) (laughs) Poofy. Yeah, it's like the the poofy shorts um, that they wore with, like, like tights underneath. (laughs) Morgan, I'll just wear that out and down. Nobody will hit on me then. (laughs) I'll wear the hat and everything. The big, (laughs) the stripes, the the weird capelets that they had. (laughs) Just run rush, and they have to have all like the filigree and um, brocade on them too, like as elaborate as possible. Could uh. Could I put a sticker on my Malibu that says my other car's a carriage? <laughs> so when I drive around and down, people know. <laughs> Are you driving around the Malibu again? Yeah. I mean, most of the time. Sometimes it's a truck. Every now and then I'll hop in the the Mercedes. Guys, it's not a nice Mercedes. It's from like 04. Yeah, it's it's a... It's Shit just be breaking <laughs> on it. Um... <laughs> Again, her husband collects Ugh. vehicles. Nick, I don't know if I told y'all this, but Nick told me, uh, he he was like, no, we're riding home together. We were at the in-law's house and we had driven there separately. And he's like, no, let's all ride together home. And we got to a stop sign and he looked at me and he's like, I'm going to need you to drive. But the problem was we were in the gosh darn turbo car. And I haven't driven that thing in three years, and he put a new clutch on it that you have half a freaking centimeter, or you're not getting it into gear. So I did get us home. I was cussing a lot by the time I got us home, but (laughs) by God, I used to drive that. It's so irritating. I was like, I can drive this car in heeled boots. You change the freaking clutch on it, and I can't drive it at all. What? (laughs) Mm -hmm. (sighs) It's fine. It's fine. I'm glad y'all made it home safe. <laughs> I'm just imagining like a little. <laughs> I mean, I, actually, I drove it really well. The problem is, is getting it going from a dead stop because you have to hit it just freaking right. Just right. And then Nick was giving me absolutely no instruction. He was just like, try harder. <laughs> <laughs> Dumb ways to die. Teacher. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Uh, okay. Again, I'm get, I keep getting derailed. Back to Santa. So, Sorry. No, it's okay. Talk about trunk hoses. So, in 1822, Clement Clark Moore, who was an Episcopal minister, I have a hard time with that word every time, wrote a long Christmas poem for his three daughters entitled An Account of a Visit from St. Nicholas, which is what we heard part of in our skit this morning. So I hope y'all like my narrating. Um, so, and is more popularly, popularly known as Twas the Night Before Christmas. So this is where we see his description come from, a very detailed description, such as right jolly old elf with a portly figure and supernatural ability to ascend a chimney with a mere nod of his head. <laughs> Flew Did he like... Did he, like, twinkle his nose or something? Like, bewitched or something? I think so. Wasn't it, like, with a a waggle of his chin and a, a twitch of his nose? I don't remember. Yeah. It's been years since I read the poem. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. <laughs> nice. Bless you, I think. I don't know. It was a weird hiccup thing. Sorry. So, uh, and here we saw for the first time that he flew from house to house on Christmas Eve in a miniature sleigh led by eight flying reindeer to leave presents for deserving children. So we've got Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, Vixen. Comet, Cupid, Cupid, Donner, Donner and Blitzen. Blitzen. And I just want you to know, those are not in my notes. Those are just off the dome. <laughs> in in the brain. It's there. And then later on, we will talk about Rudolph. But he comes by later. So he is not in Twas the Night Before Christmas. So that was in 1822. So in 1881, a political cartoonist, Thomas Nast, drew the first likeness that matches our modern Santa based on Moore's poem. And it appears in Harper's Weekly depicting Santa as a rotund, cheerful man with a full white beard holding a sack full of toys for lucky children. Now, look back at the skit and go down. You'll see this is 1881 depiction mm-hmm. of Santa. So, I know we talk about we will talk about Coca-Cola later. They actually, it turns out that a lot of people think that Coca-Cola picked the red, but the red was already mostly solidified. They pretty much took it to the nth degree. Like, they Mm -hmm. made Santa pretty much into who he was. They, They solidified it into our culture, and they pretty much made it to where when people saw Santa, they thought of Coke. But... The red was already there, and his general look and appearance was already there. They just honed in on it. Yeah, because I was just about to say, I'm looking at the, the Nast art, and it doesn't look too far from Mm-mm. like how we envision Santa today. I think the biggest yeah. difference is that instead of wearing like his red hat, he has holly yeah. on his head. Um, and he's got, I mean, he's usually portrayed with a pipe. He's got the toys. He's got the red 
yeah outfit with like the white trim and the buckle and the white beard and yeah rosy cheeks you know all of that stuff but if you also scroll down this is from about the same time as well see the red wasn't completely solidified into the culture yet so in this depiction of Santa, he is wearing the red hat you see, but he's also wearing like a blue cloak and like a yellow tunic underneath. He's got red pants, but he, he looks very different mm-hmm. than the Nass. So it, it did for a while kind of flip-flop. He looks like Wild Mountain Man Santa. Santa, yeah, he's also carrying an entire Christmas tree over one arm. So... Mm-hmm. Um, damn. Yeah. But anywho, um, so Nast drew Santa in all manner of political cartoons. I mean, in in the documentary I watched, he was wearing like red, white, and blue outfit and like talking to Civil War soldiers and, and stuff like that. So by the 1820s, Stores began to advertise the Christmas shopping season along with images of the newly popular Santa Claus. And by 1841, thousands of kids would visit shops to see either life-size models of Santa or people dressed up like Santa. And that was a way for the stores to come in or the stores to get people to come in because the mentality is like, oh, well, you're coming in to see Santa while you're here. You're like, oh, well, I'll go ahead and pick this up since I'm here. I'll go ahead and pick that up since I'm here, letting my kid sit on Santa's lap. So another funny thing is that how the red happened is in a lot of images, he was wearing like brown fur because that would have been common in the time. Right. But and I mean, head to toe, brown, fuzzy, look like a teddy bear almost. But um, some of the publishers were not very careful with their colors and the browns ended up turning a reddish hue. So what was supposed to be brown looked more red. And then you've got Nast, who was just doing him in red anyway. And it's, it just kind of was like, all right. Yeah. You know, it was kind of funny, and this is not related at all, but um, that's a similar reason to why the Hulk is green in comics. He was originally supposed to be gray, but I think, like, the gray was going to be a lot more expensive and it didn't read as well. And so they were like, okay, green. I love <laughs> and it. And now the Hulk is green. <laughs> I love that. I love tiny little things that um, could change, you know, everything. So... His home. How did he end up being in the North Pole? So around this time, in the mid-1800s, people started looking towards the North Pole as... Listen, I I don't know how bored these people were in the 1800s, but they were like, I'm bored. I'm going to go put my life on the line and go find some new shit. (laughs) People were doing some weird-ass shit in the 1800s. In the early 1900s. They're like, let me jump out of an airplane and just see what happens. Let's go to the moon. Let's, yeah, let's do that. Let's um, put a bucket on my head and see how far underwater I can go. Like, 
Mm -hmm. Cool. And it all did lead to really cool things we have today. But bravo to them, because I could never. Yeah. I'd be sitting there reading my book, watching other <laughs> people, I guess, die. I don't know. But in the, the, the you know, mid to late 1800s, people started looking at the North Pole and they're like, I've never been there. I want to go. So they started trying their expeditions and they all failed until the early 1900s. But... As they were doing these expeditions, they were learning more and more about it. And what do you do with this knowledge that you just learned? You publish it all over the world in these magazines or these newspapers and like this found in the North Pole or whatever. And it just started a, a buzz about the North Pole. And then people were like, well, we've never seen Santa. He's always depicted in like the cold or the icy or whatever. He must live at the North Pole. And Obviously. That's what happened. <laughs> Everyone was just fascinated with the North Pole at the time, and they just squished the two together. All right. And it's during this time that um, some people um, saw, at the very beginning, some of the imagery showed Santa as, like, smaller elf-type vibe mm -hmm. and then nast started drawing him as full adult man so that's kind of how that shift happened so before we get into santa around the world i wanted to talk about some like pop culture santa at least in the united states i don't know a whole lot about the other santas or what i could go on for probably three episodes if i wanted to dig deep into every culture's santa and i would if given the time so okay so one of the most iconic versions of santa is chris kringle in the 1947 classic santa claus movie miracle on 34th street and that movie was remade in 1994 now that is one of the most iconic, but it is not the first. The oldest movie that I could find that had Santa Claus in it was a movie called Santa Claus. And it's an 1898 British short silent drama film. Oh, drama film. Drama film. I sh we Ooh. should like try to find it. Um, so it was directed by George Albert Smith. And it features Santa Claus visiting a house on Christmas Eve. Okay. Yep. But um, Miracle on 34th Street is the first known use of the term Kris Kringle in reference to Santa Claus? I believe so. Wow. Okay. It, well, yes and no. So Kris, Kris Kringle is derived... Um, from uh, someone we're going to see in another country. Uh, so Chris, Chris Kind, Chris Crindle. So there was the, the Chris Crindle, which yes. was um, like the Christ child. Uh, yes. So that I, I saw in my research. But. Yes. So this says uh, about 1830. Webster's Dictionary traces Chris Kringle back to 
German Chris Kent what however you say it, Chris Kindle meaning I, I Christ so, child yeah. um and indicates the first documented use in English was in 1830 and then okay. it was used in 1947 on the miracle of the 34th street so i think the name was there but i think this was the first time it had been used in a film or in pop culture like that well and i can kind of see how like maybe an american ear hears a like a german immigrant say chris kindle yeah and they're like chris kringle Chris, <laughs> you Chris know? Kringle, yeah, because they're, they're two completely different things. Yeah. Like, so I can kind of see how that. Yeah, I can totally could see it too. That. Well, and I mean, I just think about remember as a kid playing the game telephone with your classmates, mm-hmm. and you'd all have to sit in a line, and one person would whisper a phrase into the first kid's ear, and then each kid whispers the same phrase all the way to the end and then it is astonishing to hear that the, the the phrase is completely different from mm-hmm. one end to the other so accents uh being able to hear very well your own interpretation of what's being said like verbal things do not carry well that i think that's definitely what happened and plus the fact that the the Chris Crindle uh, Chris Kindle was like kind of the a gift deliverer, yeah. For instead of like Saint Nicholas, yep. and I think like it's like oh a gift deliverer Chris Kindle, um, gift deliverer Chris Kringle, you yeah. know. So yeah, it all mushes mushes together. together. It's Etymology kinda, is fun. It's like uh, <laughs> it's like in the the Halloween episodes where like. The haunted houses and the costumes and the trick-or-treating all kind of formed at the same time for different reasons, also the same reasons. Like, mm-hmm. it, it was it's just kind of meshed. <laughs> so, okay, back to pop culture. So, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, if you listen to the Thanksgiving episode, you'll know all about it. Santa is at the end and has been nearly every year since the beginning. And... Coca-Cola and started using Santa because the winter months were slow selling times. And Haddon Sunbloom, who was of Swedish and Finnish descent, was the artist that really pushed Santa into like Coca-Cola realm. And he built on what he saw from Nast and the other artists before his time. But then he really honed down on it and made it specific, made it family-friendly, made it all about everyone's a good boy and girl. He made Santa into, basically, he honed him into what he is today. Mm -hmm. And I assume this picture here, it's... um it looks like a coca-cola ad it is a picture of santa it looks like he has a book that says good boys and girls yes he is staring uh surprisedly at a note that says dear santa please pause here jimmy with a bottle of coke on top um and then there's two little boys like hiding in the background 
Um, I do have to say, yes. Santa here is adorable. He's so cute. Very pleasant. Very like I want to give him a hug. The children in the background are nightmare fuel. I just have to <laughs> say, like their eyes are too far apart. They are little beady. Like I can't. <laughs> okay, do you want to know a fun fact about this little painting here? My parents, since I can remember, have the Christmas ornament version of this painting and it's like a little Cute. 3d model it's exactly this it says exactly the same thing and you put a little christmas light in the fireplace so the fireplace glows and That's it's really one of my favorites and i didn't know that that was like a painting too i just thought it was like an ornament that they've had for my entire life <laughs> so yeah uh, the cute. children are very creepy the children are not in the ornament it's just santa good because yes. i could do without the children <laughs> this i'm just i'm literally scrolling over and just like okay it's just santa in the fireplace <laughs> so okay songs about santa now all of these you can hear in the united states i want to know if y'all in other countries have your favorite like christmas songs i love christmas songs my husband's tired of me but uh <laughs> He's like, please, no. Um, but, so, songs that you can hear in the United States that have Santa in them are Santa Claus is Coming to Town, Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer, I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus, Santa that Baby. That has been stuck in my head for days. <laughs> I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Michael Jackson one. It keeps coming oh, on the radio the, at work. the Jackson 5? Okay. Okay. I'm going to get through this list and then I have a little hot take. Uh, Santa Baby, Little Saint Nick, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Up on the Housetop. So many more. Yeah. Why is everybody trying to kiss Santa Claus? (laughs) Santa Baby (laughs) is too sexual. Listen, it was Mammal Jimmy's favorite song. And, and I'm not saying favorite Christmas song. I mean, she wanted Santa Baby by Eartha Kitt played at her funeral kind of favorite song. But also, why why Santa's a married man? <laughs> Eartha Kitt serves in that song. I have never, yeah. like, there's so many versions of that song. And there is not a version of that song that is more sensual. Than the one Eartha, Eartha Kitt sings. Eartha Kitt is a legend. I love her. Yeah. And she, I, I literally, there's so many other really good versions, but Eartha Kitt, you're right. Hands down. The best. Yeah. Like, they try so hard to be like, I'm going to be the new Eartha Kitt. Like, no. You, you can't. can't. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Score around slapping artists. No. Stop it. You're not Eartha. <laughs> also, did you know that Eartha Kitt was, um, who's the purple lady on the Emperor's New Groove? Oh, Yzma. Yzma. Yes. No, I didn't know that. And I was like, why does Yzma sound so familiar? And then I saw a thing about it and I was like, well, that's why. Okay. What's crazy is that they had actually recorded a song that she sings, and they cut it from the movie. Why would they do that? 
I don't know. I guess, like, I don't think it really fit like in, like, the pacing. But you can look it up with, like, the storyboard art on YouTube. But it's, like, this amazing, like, villain song that she sings. Ugh. I want that. <laughs> I I'll want find that. the link and send it to you. Okay, please do. Okay, so... We're here with Santa around the world. Obviously, he's not called Santa around the world. I just didn't know how else to title this. Um, so, St. Nicholas inspired many gift-giving characters around the world. So, let's get into some of them. Because, again, I can't get into them all. It's like the beer episode. There's too many. So, here in the United States, for our abroad listeners, what happens is... Santa Claus comes down with uh, Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, Comet, Cupid, Donner, Blitzen, Rudolph in the front. He lands on your roof, comes down your chimney. I don't quite know exactly what their plan was if you don't have a chimney. Mom and Dad always just said that we're going to leave the door unlocked for them, which seems unsafe. But that's you're supposed to come down the chimney, fill your stockings. I think in... Um... I think in a Santa Claus movie with Tim Allen, he can, like, literally manifest a chimney to come down. <laughs> I like that so much. <laughs> it's fine. I'll make my own chimney. <laughs> so he is in a sleigh pulled by said reindeer. And every year the kids write letters to Santa, legitimately mail them with the U.S. Postal Service. <laughs> And I don't know where they go, but they go somewhere. And I think there's like a like a P.O. box that's dedicated as the North Pole. Nice. I think. I okay. Think, I think that's. Let me look it up really quick. Yeah, please do. Because I didn't even think to do that. Oh, okay. So it is in. It's a post office in North Pole, Alaska. Yeah. It's on three two five South Santa Claus Lane. Oh, cute so cute and um you if a letter gets mailed to santa at the north pole it goes to this post office <gasps> oh i bet they in get Alaska. inundated i'm sure oh my gosh okay so good to know where our letters are going also good to know that we can mail something from tennessee and it'll make it to alaska for just 50 cents you can also um, get a letter sent back to the child. So I'm, I'm reading this. It's from the USPS website, and it says how to get a letter postmarked from the North Pole. Step one, have the child write a letter to Santa. Step two, write a personalized response to the child's letter and sign it from Santa. Insert both letters into an envelope and address it to the child. Add the return address to the envelope, Santa, North Pole. Ensure a first-class mail stamp is affixed to the envelope. And place the complete envelope into a larger envelope, both with appropriate postage, and address it to this address. Well, that's really cute. So do that, parents, for your children. Yes, if you go, if you look up, it's on the USPS website. If you want your child to get a letter from Santa Claus, there is a whole system in place to ensure that happens to keep the magic alive, which is very cute. That is super cute. And if your child is still listening, again, 
we're not responsible for the Christmas magic we just ruined. Um, <laughs> so these kids write these letters to Santa. They also leave milk and cookies and sometimes carrots out for his reindeer. So Santa eats millions of cookies every night and drinks gallons and gallons of milk. So that's why he's nice and rotund. That's right. And Santa makes a naughty and nice list to see who deserves toys. If you are naughty, you get coal. What is, did you always leave uh, cookies and milk or did, was there sometimes that like you left something else? I think we usually left cookies and milk and my grandma always finagled us to leave because we usually when i was younger and we still did like santa um we would stay at my grandparents house because they had a chimney yeah um they always had like this giant christmas tree and my papa would get up on the roof um and like jangle like jingle bells like stomp on the roof to make it sound like reindeer were like stomping he went all out um, and my grandma always made sure that we laid out my papa's favorite cookies for Santa. <laughs> <laughs> See, my dad, he never got on the roof. Um, but we he would want, he's like, I don't really want cookies and I don't drink milk. So there for a really long time, we were leaving cheesecake and sweet tea out. No, you guys, this is Santa's favorite snack. <laughs> He'd always say Santa's really tired of cookies. And he'd really just like some cheesecake. <laughs> and, every- and sweet tea. And sweet Your dad's tea. gotta have his sweet he tea. He does. He does. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, yeah, I I never thought it was weird. And now... <laughs> I just realized that Tad didn't really want cookies. <laughs> and you have to take a couple bites. Oh, I yeah. mean, you gotta you gotta have the evidence. That's right. You could always tell if we left something that he didn't like, he'd only take like one or two bites, but like that cheesecake, he, damn it, he ate it. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Uh, <laughs> so in uh Switzerland and Germany, we have the Chris kind or center clause to give gifts to children. Um, and the meaning of Chris kind is like Chris, Chris King, Kring, I can't fucking say it. <laughs> Miss Chris Kindle. Yeah, Chris Kindle. Thank you. Um, but the Chris kind is a angel like figure and often accompanied by St. Nicholas on the holiday mission missions. So see what happened was, um, during the Protestant reformation, um, always, I feel like we need like a, you know, like in, um, what is it? Young Frankenstein. Every time they say that woman's name, like it, it nays the horse nays we should uh every time we say protestant reformation we should have like a sound effect for the protestant i was thinking like a warning button (laughs) (laughs) protestant reformation it's a it's our new spanish inquisition no one expects a protestant reformation
God. Okay, so uh, after the Protestant Reformation, um, Protestants don't have saints. So they're like, well, we got to find someone else to bring the gifts since St. Nick can't do it anymore because we don't have saints. So they were like, we'll just have baby Jesus do it. And then they realized that doesn't make any sense because babies can't deliver gifts. <laughs> but it's Jesus but it's, and Jesus can do anything. Listen, if St. Nick wasn't drinking off the tit five out of seven days a week, <laughs> then, then freaking baby Jesus can deliver some gifts. It's solid logic. <laughs> so somehow they ended up switching to like a blonde fairy lady named Chris Kind. Okay. I don't don't ask me how. I I couldn't link it. I don't know. But she's the one that brings the gifts. And it all kind of got switched around again because time and religion is weird. Um so now mm-hmm. it is seen in in Germany that Chris Kind brings the presents to the Catholic kids. And she gets the letters and visits on Christmas Eve. But in Germany, the the evangelical kids, Father Christmas comes, which is basically Santa Claus. Father Christmas comes and he gets the letters and stuff. So it really just depends on what denomination you are. Depends on which person you're getting. And Krampus also originated i'm gonna have to do like a whole episode on krampus next year because Mm -hmm. he's a whole thing but so krampus originated in germany and spread to other parts of the world if you don't know who krampus is consider yourself lucky he's a demon and he he's like the anti-santa literally the anti-santa he will kidnap and kill the bad children so (laughs) it ain't good um in Scandinavia, the Jewel Tom Tin, or just the Tom Tin, uh, is a jolly elf who delivers gifts in a sleigh pulled by goats. And he's kind of like a hybrid of St. Nicholas, the Jewel Bakken, which is the Swedish Christmas goat, and a garden gnome. So he's like a garden gnome Santa pulled by goats. And I love it so much. That's very cute. And this is said to have been created by a Swedish artist and illustrator, Jenny Nystrom, in the first half of the 20th century, his image. So typically in this situation, a neighbor um, dresses up as him and they, instead of like coming down the chimney or whatever, they actually come to the door and they have like a mask on so you can't tell who it is. That would ruin it really fast, but hand out, you know, the gifts and then leave. They say something really cute, like, are there good boys and girls in this home or something like that? It's super cute. And in England, it's pretty much our Santa, but it's called Father Christmas. And in France, it is referred to as Pierre Noel. And in France, they fill the shoes of the children, not stockings. And again, if anyone's out there and wants to like, give us more info, please do. I want to know what y'all's like traditions are. That would be awesome. Yes. Please do that. 
Also, one of the one of the documentaries I watched had a part on like Paris, France, and like how they do things and it's really elaborate because y'all in Paris are bougie and I appreciate that. <laughs> but there was no reason for that Santa to be that good looking. No, he shouldn't be wearing no tight red suit. Actual suit. <laughs> I mean, he was cut. He had like the handlebar mustache and like the white <laughs> trimmed beard. There was no jolly. That was just <laughs> like <laughs> no reason for it (laughs) like did i get dumped into one of those weird like christmas romance novels i didn't ask for this i was like (laughs) someone write a romance novel about emily and this parisian santa (laughs) i don't need any stocking stuffed by this man You don't want him to come down your chimney. there arrives by boat um and they have like a whole festival and they he literally like boat and his what do they call him like helpers they used a word that was like the elves yeah but they i think they said servants which is a little sad sounding but anyway so they like come into the harbor on this boat and it's very celebrated um but then there's something called black peter and i'm literally only gonna say i'm gonna refer to him as peter from now on because it it is what it sounds like it is and so apparently the kids Okay, so apparently Claus in this area used to ride alone, and he would be the bringer of presents and also would dish out the punishments. Um, but then there was like an illustrative book, of, a book of illustrative poems in Amsterdam by a teacher, and he gave the role of a punisher to a man named, quote, Black Peter, and in it, Coming from, like, our standpoint, an outsider standpoint, it kind of does look 
look as racist as you think it would. Mm. And I'm not trying to like knock anyone's traditions or anything, but let's just say you can't do any of that here. You, there, there's yeah. some blackface involved as well in celebrating. Oh, so you oh. can't do any of that here. Oh no, can't do that. So sorry. Mm. So Mm-mm. I'm calling him Peter from now on. So apparently Peter would take the kids in a sack and then take them to Spain and then he brings them back in a year and they're good kids all of a sudden. <laughs> what happens in I don't Spain? think I want to know. <laughs> but apparently Peter brings presents to the front door to these kids. Like in modern times, somebody dresses up and then like knocks on the door the kids take the toys and then the dad hands out the toys but apparently in the netherlands they they place the shoes by the the fireplace not stockings as well so enough about peter and in spain there is no santa at all there are they celebrate the three wise men instead so this is oh, also okay. in like South America and other Spanish, old Spanish colonies around the world. But the kids write letters and throw them to the wise men in a parade. And it is celebrated on the Epiphany, January 6th. So the kings kiss the kids and like helpers climb ladders onto balconies because they're going through the streets. And they give gifts to people in their homes on the balconies. And also, there's still a lot of blackface. And I I don't know why. <laughs> I, I honestly, I watched that scene like three times. And I still don't quite understand why their faces why? are painted black. And I, I hope that it's not in a mean way. But I don't know. That's very strange. So, you know, Spain, I, I hope you're doing it with the right intent. Even though still, again, you can't do that here. For uh, for good reason, you can't do that here. Okay. Um, in Italy, there's La Befana. And I swear, she's my favorite. So, she is a kindly witch. And she looks like a witch from Halloween. And she rides around on a broomstick and goes down the chimneys and gives gifts to the children. And apparently her backstory is that the three wise men um, on their way to meet baby Jesus asked directions from an old woman to where Christ was born. And she was like, I don't know, but you can sleep here tonight. So she gave them shelter for the night. And the next morning she declined the invitation to join them. But after they had left, she had a change of heart, but couldn't catch up with them. So she had all these gifts that she had prepared for Jesus. Instead, she gave away the gifts to all the kids she saw along her journey on her way back home. And she is celebrated on the Epiphany as well. I love that she's a witch. I do too. I mean, she has like crooked nose. Like, boil on the nose, big hat, wiry hair, on a broomstick, Halloween witch. I love it. I love it. (laughs) I love it, too. Um, It's like Nightmare Before Christmas. There are parts of Spain that also have Santa as 
as well, little mm-hmm. and parts of Italy that have it, but the overall theme is this. So it's I think it's really interesting that all the kids around the world, regardless of who the gift giver is, they're writing letters to whoever it may be. Because if they're leaving a shoe, that some of them leave like their letter in the shoe. Some of them mail it off. Some of them throw them at a parade. I mean, but everyone's writing letters, and I think that's really cool. And there is an official, like, Santa's workshop. And it's in Lapland, Finland. And it is like the the UN's, like, where they consider, like, you can go there there's like a Santa's workshop and Santa and it looks like Christmas land, apparently. So do you want to do some fun facts before we're done? You know me. I know you love I facts. love fun facts. So fun fact number one, the Salvation Army has been sending Santa Claus clad donation collectors into the streets since the 1890s. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't know that. Rudolph was created about a hundred years after the other reindeer. I didn't think it was that long, but in 1839, Robert L. May was a copywriter at the Montgomery Ward department store. And uh, for y'all that don't know who Rudolph is, Rudolph, um, the red-nosed reindeer, had a very shiny nose. And if you <laughs> I was ever literally saw it, singing it in my, <laughs> you would even say it gloat. <laughs> no, but he had he's a he's uh, a Rudolph growing up in Santa's world. Um, he had a big red glowing shiny nose. All the other reindeer would bully him, and as an adult, I see a lot of holes in this story where Santa only helped him out when he realized that like. It was going to be really foggy and cloudy that night, and Rudolph's nose could actually help light their way. So mm-hmm. he was when he was useful. To you're him. only worthy if you're useful. But that's who Rudolph is, and he has become the most popular reindeer of all time. So the Montgomery Ward sold over half a million copies of the poem. So they made it to like a poem book that year in 1939. Half a million copies in that first year. That's insane. It was reissued in 1946, so seven years later, and it sold over 3.5 million copies. Damn. And Johnny Marks, one of May's friends, wrote a short song based on Rudolph's story in 1949. That was then recorded by Gene Autry and sold over 2 million copies. So that's the song, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Wait, and you... So... Just to make sure I have the timeline yes. right. I'm not saying it's not impossible, but May wrote the song or wrote the the story in 1839. No, 1939. Oh, I thought you said 1839. 1939. Was like, wow. <laughs> no, it was okay. the the original reindeer were created in the 1800s. Rudolph was created okay. about a hundred years later in 1939. Gotcha. Yes. Okay, that's that makes more sense because I was like, man, the song was like a hundred years after that. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> so 
The story has now been translated into 25 different languages and has made into a movie in the 1964, made into a movie in 1964, which was narrated by Burl Ives. I love that movie. And Mm -hmm. I think they've made a couple different ones, but that is definitely the best one, in my opinion. Me and me and my sisters. So my stepdad is a dentist. Um, and he's a very good dentist, but we always like around Christmas time, especially like like say the little elf lines like at him. Yeah. Um, just like I want to be a dentist, you know, like <laughs> And he's just like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, your stepdad's. He he puts up with a lot with y'all. Bless him. <laughs> Bless, Bless him. him. <laughs> so in the Ukraine, uh, it is it is a normal custom to decorate trees with spiders and spider webs. Oh my goodness! All these ho- like, yes. Spooky now things. this one has like a very heartwarming thing it is still kind of spooky but the tradition uh started or states that there was a widow who was too poor to buy ornaments for her christmas tree and the spiders in her hut heard her prayers and spun webs on the tree that turned silver and gold in the sunlight so tinsel spider webs are thought to bring good luck that's really cute actually yeah i think it is too i was like what do you mean oh um, yeah. And then the last one is ugly sweaters started in Canada. That's all I have on that. They just started in Canada. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks Canada. Canada. Appreciate that. <laughs> so that is all I have on Santa Claus, St. Nicholas, Kris Kringle, Father Christmas, all the others. Well, thanks. You're welcome. And please reach out to us on social media about what your little holiday traditions are. Do you leave cheesecake and sweet tea for Santa? Because that's what your dad likes. <laughs> uh, and if I got any of this wrong, again, I don't live there. Tell me what your customs are. I want to know. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'll blame it on the documentaries. <laughs> uh, so I think we have, um, we might have forgotten to do this last time meaning we definitely did. But yes. we have some questions to answer. So let okay. me let me get that pulled up real quick. So while she's doing that, <clears throat> um Emily posted on our Facebook group uh a little while ago, like about a month ago, I think, asking our followers of the page or of the group to ask us some questions to answer at the end of the year. Um, so that's the context for this. So now we're going to be answering the questions. And I am going to, while I'm thinking about it right now, I'm going to pin this to the top. We're going to leave the questions open for a while. We'll put it somewhere. We'll have Q&As open probably all the time. So, okay. Question number one from Shelby. What is your favorite story? in history it's really hard i know it's like narrowing down so many things how do you pick just one story um 
That's really hard. I guess, like, I'll just kind of think about what we've covered so far. Okay. Um, and, like, what my favorite has been from those, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, I think my favorite story we've covered so far is probably the 1904 Olympics. Um, because it, that was just wild. Yes. Um, and it's still, it's just funny. Um, and yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, <clears throat> picking a different one because I think that's definitely one of the top ones. I think, um, Rube Waddell is probably, if we're talking about people in history, Rube Waddell is probably one of my favorites because who leaves a baseball game to go pet a puppy? I would. Um, yeah. Or punch a lion. So. <laughs> <laughs> But if, yeah. but if we're talking about, like, story, I'm going to go back to, like, the Nazis stealing um, all the paintings because it's kind of like, it's got that mystery flair to it that mm-hmm. we're still trying to figure out. Okay. Yeah. We have three questions total so far. So, Shelby again, top five favorite adult drinks. Hmm. Can I just say beer as one of them? Yes. Get as like beer specific as you want. Okay. So I'll say beer. I like gin and tonics. Okay. I like margaritas. Okay. I like um I really like sweet tea and honey bourbon or honey whiskey. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. If I want like a sweet drink. Um and I'm trying to think of like a splurge that I do. I like mojitos. I love mojitos. Yeah. Um, okay. Wine and beer for sure. I forgot about wine. Forgot about- <laughs> <laughs> Did you forget about wine? I don't know. Okay, well, she's adding a sixth. Wine. Okay. <laughs> beer and wine. Um, God, I don't, I like liquid marijuanas. Oh yeah, those are good. Um, I like, I just drank a 32 ounce pina colada on Bourbon Street and that thing was (laughs) woo. And, you know, I do love a good, oh man, a What's it called? A Moscow mule. Thank you. I love a mule. I like the little cup too. So question number three. If someone was to give you, oh, sorry. This is from Matthew Pierce. Hello, Matthew. Welcome. So if, (laughs) oh, his profile picture is with an animal. What is, what kind of animal is that? I don't know. Oh, it looks. It kind of looks like a llama. Please, Matthew, tell me what that is. I want to love it. Okay, so if someone gives us, someone gives you each a box of every single thing you've ever lost in your life, what would be the first thing you would look for in it? My motivation. <laughs> <laughs> 
and my energy. Your energy. <laughs> um. Oh, I know what it would be. I would look for my scrapbooks that I made when I was in high school. Yeah. Um, I had so many scrapbooks that I made of like our memories and our adventures. Like I had one for our Washington DC trip. I had one for so many different adventures. And when we moved after we graduated high school, they got lost. Um, and it still makes me really sad to this day. So I would look for, I would look for those. Okay. When I first read that, that's a great answer, by the way, I would love to see all those pictures. Maybe one day they'll turn up somewhere weird. Um, We'll see. When I read this, the first thing I thought of was River, who was my dog, and I lost her. And I was like, well, that's going to bum everyone out, so I need to think of, like, a second thing. Because she's number one if I could bring... If I can Santa Claus necromance my way back to having my dog, (laughs) I would. (laughs) Um, Let's see. I just had a good one. Um, I guess in the spirit of my of Christmas, in the spirit of Christmas, I would look for my Mama Jimmy's specific little drummer boy Christmas ornament that um, she had out every year, and you squeezed it, and it played the little drummer boy in like the little notes the bum 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 yeah and it but it was like the high pitched almost like it was on a not a xylophone but a um yeah xylophone um i don't know why i was saying xylophone and thinking marumba but xylophone but uh i would i would look for that my cousin and i were obsessed with it and i'm pretty sure we drove our entire family crazy with it and i was thinking about that the other day just like all of her christmas ornaments and that one specific one yeah still bummed everybody out Mm. sorry guys (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's kind of a sad um yeah sad thank you matt for that question um but it is kind of a sad question yeah what are what's something that you've lost that you want back and it's yeah something that was obviously cherished yeah River. Well, the kids never let me forget that River died. Um, they will literally just out of nowhere will be minding our business, sitting on the couch, and one of them will look over and they'll go, "You know, River's dead, right? Like just deadpan. Why?" Our, my son asked me once how they got such a big dog in such a little box because we had her cremated. <sighs> And how do you tell a five-year-old, he was five at the time, that they set his dog on fire? How do you say that without trauma? I mean, I I don't think there is a way. Like, oh, they just put her in there. Like, it was, I would imagine, like, this horrible, like, just, like, crunching her body down into, like, to fit in the box, which is, I think, worse. worse. I, um, this is the only time. That I ever use the I'll tell you when you're older sentence. I'm not a I'm not yeah. a firm believer in that. Like I explain everything to my children, but I was like, this is above your age range. <laughs> this is yeah. this is it. Yeah. No. I mean, I think that was a good call. Yeah. Um 
because that is hard to explain and can be really hard to hear for a little one's ears. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we should uh, thank you again for the questions, Shelby and Matthew. We will leave this open. Please ask us more questions. Email us questions if you don't want to ask on the thing. If you want us to keep it, you know, anonymous, you can email us and ask us anonymous questions. And uh, we should probably let y'all go. Our Facebook is facebook.com slash ill equipped history group or just look up ill equipped history group or page our <laughs> instagram at ill equipped history our tiktok at ill equipped history and our patreon patreon.com slash ill equipped history <laughs> it's funny no one it's it's weird how nobody took that name already i think we did a good job naming us no one had it. Emily's the one that came up with it, with the name. And because we, I mean, we brainstormed for like a few hours. Hours. Like, what the hell are we going to call this podcast that wasn't already taken or too similar to another podcast? Um, and Emily looked at me and she was like, what about ill-equipped history? And I was like, that is perfect. Yes, because we are not equipped. So. And it's kind of funny. There is history involved. <laughs> we make... <laughs> Yes, we make little quips at each other. I love it. Okay, um, so like us, comment, email. Oh, our email. <laughs> What's our email, Morgan? Illequippedhistory at gmail.com. <laughs> I knew I was forgetting one. I need to write this shit down. Dear listeners, please have a Merry Christmas or holiday season if you do not celebrate christmas definitely next year we want to cover other holiday traditions yes there's only so much time yeah and you know like hanukkah and kwanzaa and other non-christian uh holidays that are around this time because there's a lot and maybe even getting more in depth into like saturnalia and some more pagan traditions you know yeah there's there's we only barely scratch the surface of the December celebration. So yes. please have a very merry time with your loved ones, whatever that may be. And if you don't want to do that, this holiday season, go drink. And if you don't want to do that, <laughs> eat some nachos. Eat some nachos. <laughs> Christmas nachos. <laughs> you could just shape them into like a Christmas tree shape and Christmas nachos. Perfect. You get some, Get some um, like red and green bell pepper, uh, some some queso for the gold. Yeah, globs um, of sour cream because I love sour cream. <laughs> <laughs> Multiple globs. Perfect. Yes. There you go. There's nachos for okay. you. <laughs> okay. Bye. bye. Ho ho ho! Merry Christmas. Bye.